Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. Uh, my name is Pastor Jake. Pastor Dwayne is in Mount Pleasant this morning ministering. So you got me today, and I am very excited to bring a word to you. Um, I want to make mention, if you're new or recently started attending and you have not gotten connected, I want to invite you to our community room, which is on the main level, just out these main doors. And in the community room, we have leaders of the church who are going to help you get connected and start growing towards Christ here at Res Life Church. We have a free gift for you. It's a Yeti mug. And so we encourage you to check that out and come at least three times to Res Life Church. So I'm, I'm so excited to get started today. My topic is a gospel-centered view to sex and sexuality. Somebody's excited over there. (laughs) And over here, nerve, nerves, nerves over here. And uh, so what I want to make mention, if you are a parent who has kids, maybe middle school or younger, and... I want to just give you an opportunity, if you feel like you want to, take your kids out. We have amazing kids' ministries from middle school all the way down to infants. If you would like to utilize those this morning so that you can reserve this conversation between you and them at your own pace, I would uh, give you that liberty to stand up and go utilize that because we will be talking about topics of sex and sexuality. So wave your hand to me if you're ready to go. Wave your hands at me if you're a little nervous. I'm a little nervous, okay? Maybe you are. But I am, uh, I am nervous, but at the same time, I feel a conviction, a holy conviction to talk about this subject because it is, is so important. We often in church don't talk about this subject because we think maybe if we just like don't talk about it, maybe it'll work itself out. I don't think that's working for us very well. I don't think not talking about it is helping our sanctification or helping our purity or helping our young people by avoiding the conversation. Our culture is bombarding our young people and and middle-aged people, parents, and older people with sexual messages on a consistent basis. You go on your phone, you watch a sporting event game, you watch, uh, you listen to music. Wherever you go, there are messages, hyper-sexualized messages that are drawing you to frame and form your thoughts about what sex sex really is. And so our culture is sending messages, and I'm like, we need to start talking. Amen? We need to start talking about God's perspective and purpose for sex and sexuality in order for the gospel to be preached. I believe this with my whole heart, that if we as the church, as Christians, not as pastors, as Christians, do not seek a godly perspective and purpose of sex, we will never reach our generation. We will never reach our generation for Jesus Christ if we do not take this conversation head on with our Bibles open. And so let's go after it today, amen? Amen. So my main point of today that I want to get to you is God is Savior and Lord, and he saves us from sin and teaches us a better way. Now I understand with this topic that a lot of people are nervous because of culture. 
Because we live in a highly sexualized culture and a lot of us were brought up in, in ways of thinking and behaving in our family where we just don't talk about sex or sexuality. We reserve that for a secret conversation and not one that's open-ended, that's allowed, uh, that we allow questions and perspectives. And so temptation is everywhere. Predators are everywhere. Messages are everywhere. I think it's time that we consider wading into the waters of this conversation together. Now, there's good reason to be nervous. We have a culture that is driving um, an LGBTQ uh, perspective uh, through Disney, and we have a culture that is uh, sexualizing everything for our young kids. We have a culture that is addicted to pornography at rates. We have a culture of Christians where 65% of uh, men in churches are watching porn at least once a month, and 15% of women in churches in America are watching porn once a month. The, 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 the magnitude of this problem and of this topic is bigger than what I could emphasize from this stage today. If you're a parent, you're asking your question, how am I going to raise my kid in this culture? You're, you're, some parents are like, where am I going to send my kid to school? Some of you, you, are, you have blended families. How am I going to raise my kid when my spouse is thinking this way and I'm thinking this way? Some people are thinking, I'm single and I have this sex drive. How am I going to stay pure in this sex, hyper-sexualized culture? Some people, even they have... Uh, same-sex attraction, or they're tempted to the same sex sexually, and they're saying, how am I going to follow Jesus when I have this temptation? You see, the culture is sending you values and purposes of sex, but the Bible has it as well. So I can understand why we're nervous, but there's a reason why the Holy Spirit is called the comforter, because as you wade into the waters of the unknown or maybe the unfamiliar, the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. Amen? So my encouragement today is stay with me. It can be overwhelming, but God is with us. I want to bring a message of hope to you today that God is able. Maybe you have a sexual history that is colorful. Maybe you have sexual sin that you're dealing with right now. Maybe you have secrets in your life that you've never told anyone. You come to church, you raise your hands, you shout out loud, but when you're alone and you look at yourself in the mirror, you consider yourself a hypocrite because of the habitual sin. There are some men in here who are addicted to porn and their wife doesn't know about it and they love God, but they feel stuck. There are women who are addicted to porn and they've never told anyone because it's a guy issue, but God is here because he makes all things new. He makes all things new to those who will come to him with humility and with faith. The reason I know this is because my life was a complete mess on the inside. When I was 11 years old, I was introduced to pornography and I remember seeing it and thinking, I can never tell anyone. I remember thinking that I, no one can find out what's going on. So I got really good at clearing search history. I got really good at going at certain times. I got really good at going to, going to church and to small groups. And when people ask, how's it going? You just say that Bible verse that you read this morning to try to fake it till you make it until you can get out of it. I was stuck, and that went all the way through my teenage years, all the way through my young adult years, and even crept into the early years of my marriage. You see, I used to have 
this thought I was taught from my parents in the church that marriage or that sex is for marriage between one man and one woman. I was taught that and I was committed and determined to not have sex before I was married. And I think it's a, it's, it's extremely valuable to save your virginity for marriage. I highly recommend it. The Bible instructs that that is the standard for Christians. Now, I did make it that way, but I will say this. I was a virgin, but I was not pure. You see, because virginity is, an, is abstaining from an act, but purity is a condition of the heart. You see, Matthew 5 says that I was an adulterer. He says if you lust after a woman in your heart, it's just as if you've had intercourse with that woman. See, in God's eyes, the, the, the sin of the heart is a sin against God. And so I, I didn't realize that, and, but praise be to God, he took me on a journey of finding true freedom in Jesus Christ. I remember I was a young kid, and ever seen, anyone ever seen Left Behind, the movie about the rapture with Kirk Cameron, okay? Story about, it's a movie about the rapture. And I remember thinking, I was in high school, I, would, I prayed this a few times, more than on one occasion. I prayed, Lord, please don't send the rapture until after I get married. Because I want to have sex. It's funny, right? What it shows is that I was so influenced by culture that sex was more valuable than meeting Jesus face to face. It's got quiet in here. That sex, may I put it this way, was an idol. It was something that I thought would satisfy my deepest desires of wanting to be known and having connection with someone else, that it was an idol. And that's where I think we find ourselves in culture is that there are many people in culture, but I'm talking to you today, many Christians in churches who have an idol of sex. And Jesus has a way out. Not a way out that's easy, wave a magic wand, you never struggle again. He has a way forward to where you can have complete fulfillment, the abundant life in your marriage and in your singleness, to where you are completely satisfied, not sexually, you are satisfied in him. So let's talk about that today. Like I mentioned earlier, my pornography and lust, habitual sin extended into the early years of my marriage. I felt like I was in this cra crazy cycle. I know none of you ever have experienced the crazy cycle, but I have. I know y'all are like good, and so maybe this is just for one or two of you, but I was in the cycle of like sin, and then I'm, I would make promises to God. I'm never doing it again. I remember New Year's Eve, you'd be like, God, this is my year, no more lust. And then 11 days later, you're back into it. And I remember thinking, like, maybe when I get married, then this crazy cycle of sin will stop. Maybe when, when, maybe when I, you name it, maybe when I get baptized, then this sin will stop. Listen, baptism forgives your sin. It doesn't take away your humanity. Baptism makes you forgiven, but it doesn't make you completely 
exempt from temptation. It actually, it's, it's a picture of being born again. So you're not freed from being human. You're actually born with the capacity to be free. And Jesus says, now come and learn from me. Now come and learn from Jesus. So I was stuck in this sin early in my marriage. I'm like, I'm never going to get out, God. And then God graciously stepped in and he nudged me through mentors, through messages, and through his Holy Spirit to come out of darkness. You see, in the 11 or 12 years that I was stuck in this sin, I had never told anyone. This was my thought. When I'm free, then I'll tell people. When I no longer have the temptation, once God, you've delivered me, then I'll tell people. Listen, that's not how it works. You don't get to hide and be free. The only aspect, the only uh, uh, avenue of freedom is through vulnerability, bringing yourself to God to be forgiven, and then bringing yourself to each other, to trusted Christian community to be free. James 5, 16 says, confess your sins to one another, so that you may be healed. So I confess to my wife the hardest day of my life. And it was the hardest day, but it was the most beautiful day because from that moment on, my life changed. Not that I never struggled again, but the crazy cycle had an, I had a new perspective on the crazy cycle. Instead of going in circles, I was on instead an upward trajectory towards Christ's likeness. Instead of being in a cycle, it still felt cyclical in a sense, but I felt that my, my temptation was actually reduced that my lust wasn't as bad. And then slowly the Lord started to lead me into being pure in mind and more importantly, pure in heart and renewed my mind to think differently about him, myself, and sex. I remember there's one, mo- there's one moment where I was in the middle of this and the Lord, through his spirit, spoke to my heart and my mind and he said, Jake, you're my son, even in the middle of the struggle. And that hit me so hard because I remember thinking, God, how could you ever love me if I'm doing this in secret? I'm a hypocrite. I, I claim to love you, but yes, I keep running to this idol. And he said, you're still my son. And this is the next part. He said, stop resisting me. Stop resisting you, God. He said, stop trying to do it on your own. Let me in. And this is the journey, this is the character of God, is that he is not waving his finger at us to clean ourselves up. He is saying, come to me, the master potter, so that I can clean you up. Come to me, the savior of your soul, so that I can secure your place in heaven and clean you up on earth so you look just like my son Jesus. So the world can see that you are not a slave to sin, a slave to sex, but you have fulfillment and the abundant life in Jesus Christ. And then he, he showed me this in Hebrews 4. He says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. You see, Jesus is God. He is the holy God, but he is the holy God who came and dwelt among us and understands our humanity. So do not take your humanity and keep it to yourself. Take your humanity and run to Jesus. 
You see orphans, people who don't understand the character of God, when they have sin in their life, they run from God. People who understand the character and the love and the great advocation of Jesus know this, that when they have sin, when they have struggle, when they have temptation, they can run to Jesus. And my encouragement to you this morning is stop running. I know statistically there are hundreds of people in this room who are struggling sexually in their personal lives, in their marriages. All sorts of temptations that you would never dare admit in a church service. But God sees it and he's saying, let me in. And I will completely renovate your life. I will redeem all of the broken and painful uh, memories and I will take you on a journey. Because here's what I know is that we all have sexual history whether it's some have trauma, some have other experiences, some have what would be called mild, some have more extreme sexual histories, but we are all sexual beings and we all have been influenced by culture. And, it all, and this is what it says in Matthew eleven twenty nine: Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me. We all need to learn from Jesus. We all do. In one way or another, we've been polluted by this world about the purpose of sex, about the boundaries of sex. We need to learn from Jesus. And he is trustworthy. He is trustworthy. In Luke 7, it talks about a woman. This is probably the best, one of the best accounts of Jesus and how he deals with people who have sexual sin, how he interacts with them. Matthew or Luke 7, there's a, a prostitute woman. And Jesus is at a religious leader's house, a Pharisee's house. And this woman comes to the house and falls to the feet of Jesus. Falls to the feet of Jesus. And the Pharisee says, Jesus, if you knew who this woman was and what sort of woman this is who is touching you, she is a sinner. What, what, Jesus is, what the Pharisee was saying is if you knew her history, you would never let her near you. And Jesus goes on to tell the story about how there's a man who owes 50 denarii and another man who owes 500 denarii and the master forgives them both. both. Who would love the master more? And the Pharisee responds, this is of course the person who's been forgiven 500 denarii. And Jesus says, so it is with this prostitute woman she has washed my feet. She's anointed me with oil. She's kissed my feet. And yet you, religious leader, have not done any of those things. See, he who has been forgiven much will love much. He who has been forgiven little will love little. This is God's character towards the sexually immoral people who are humble. Is that he says, come to me. Listen, this is what it says in, in uh, Luke 7.50. And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, the church hasn't done historically a great job of, of working with the sexually immoral. And I want to pause here and say, if you've ever been hurt by church or religious leaders because of your history, I want to say, do not look to man for God's character. Look to the man, Jesus Christ. He is the exact representation of the Father's heart towards you. 
And if you felt rejected by the church, rejected by man, God is not rejecting you because of your past. If you had an unexpected pregnancy and had an abortion, God is not, God is, you are not off limits for God's love. You might feel, Jake, we're in a pro-life church. I can never confess that. Listen, the character of Jesus would, would step into your life and say, it might've been wrong what you did, but I am with you and it can redeem all things. Maybe you had Maybe you had sexual history that caused the church to discipline you, kick you off of a volunteer position or take you off of a position in the church and you were so hurt by that and you said, God, I will never serve you again because of that. Listen, the church is imperfect. We're doing our best. My encouragement in this portion is to say, look to Jesus, friends. If you will stay humble, he can redeem every broken situation. He will bring you into his love. He will forgive you and make you new. God is the great advocate. And I've seen this, this, these situations like in Luke 7 over and over again where people who have histories that they think are off limits to God come to God and God completely forgive them. We have a conference with our young adults every year called Real Talk, Sex, and God. And we have actually, our next conference is coming up next weekend. So February 10 and 11. I, if you're a young adult, 18 to 29, I highly encourage you to attend. We, we, need, we need to catch the Father's heart for sex and sexuality, but we all know, also need to catch the Father's mind, what he thinks and not what culture thinks. So in these conferences, we've had people who've had sex with multiple uh, people since middle school bring that to Jesus. We've had people who have been addicted to pornography since age nine come and bring that to the light. We've had people who have had sexual experiences of the same gender come and bring that to the feet of Jesus. We've had people who have been molested as kids and they come and they bring that experience to Jesus. And what I've seen time and time again is the Luke 7 happening where Jesus says, your faith has saved you. Jesus is not stiff-arming those that are vulnerable and weak. He is inviting them. He is, grabbing, he is grabbing their dirty hands and saying, let me make you clean. This is the character of Jesus and how he deals with our history. So my first point that I want to continue with uh, today that I think really shows uh, Luke 7 is that we need to discover Jesus as Savior. We need to have faith in him as Savior. Not just Savior to go to heaven, but to save and redeem our time on earth. I think most of us wish God had this like magic wand and would just like go like this to you, like, and you'd be like, tall temptation gone. But that's not how he actually wants it. He wants you to be so dependent on him that he gets to do life with you every day. If he waved the magic wand where you never were tempted again, you would forget about your need for him. And his number one desire is to be close to you. His number one desire is to know you personally and to make you holy and to make you righteous. And if there was a magic wand where you never got tempted again, then you would be tempted to do life all on your own. You see, he wants to give you a glimpse of his goodness and then he says, come and follow me daily. You see, he doesn't just want to get you to heaven, he wants to renovate your entire life. I, I'm not a handyman, okay? 
Like when I fix things at home, it, I, I kind of have this mindset of like, eh, good enough. You know what I mean? Like, eh, not totally, totally uh, level, good enough. My wife wishes I was a handyman, but I am not at all. But let me listen. God is not a eh, good enough God. He is a God who paid a high price to put his spirit inside of humanity. He paid a high price and he wants to do a full HGTV Joanna Gaines renovation on your heart. He wants to do a, a complete renovation of every dark space, every painful memory, every history, every piece of your history. He wants to redeem it, make it new, make you clean, make you holy, make you righteous, make you full of peace, make you full of joy, make you full of everything that Christ was. He does not desire just to get you into heaven. He desires to fill your life with the goodness and purity of Jesus Christ. And this is the reality, the only way to access that is through living with and through him every day. The only way out of your sin and my sin, the only way out is connection and faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. It says this in John 15, verse 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it, is, uh, he, it is he who bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Freedom is not the absence of your sexual sin. Freedom is found in the presence of Jesus in daily life. So my second point that I want to give you is we need to have faith in Jesus as Savior, not just for heaven, but for earth, to save you from your struggle. Once you have that faith in Jesus as Savior, you're starting up here. You're starting on the upper trajectory. Now, maybe the second thing that we need to consider in order to continue that upward trajectory towards freedom, holiness, and righteousness is what I'll say here, submission. We need to submit to Jesus as Lord. Submit to him as Lord. A statistic from Arizona Christian University says that 6% of Americans have a biblical worldview. That's roughly, that means that roughly 300 million people in America do not have a biblical worldview. And I think this affects our culture's um, perversion of sex and sexuality that we're witnessing now. Because the Bible is where we find the true purpose of sex. Romans 12, 2 says this, do not come be conformed to this world or this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed and changed by the entire renewal of your mind, uh, by its new ideals and its new attitudes, so that you may prove for yourselves what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. So our culture has a definition for sex the Bible has a contrary definition of the purpose of sex. And our job as discerning spirit-filled people is to, is to submit to God's definition instead of the world's. We have to. We have to. Culture treats sex as casual. God designed sex as sacred. He designed it as sacred between one man, one woman in the covenant of marriage. Some people say it's old-fashioned. It's true. Some people say it's outdated. It is the remedy for the abundant life. 
We cannot expect the abundant life if we do not submit to the author of the abundant life. So his, his uh, boundaries, which are good boundaries for sex, are within marriage between one man and one woman. Now, our culture obviously rejects this definition. I would be shouted down, I would be mocked, and I would be attacked for holding this position in, a, in culture, on a university campus, or in a school, or in most places in culture. But here's, and maybe some of you are like, I cannot believe I walked into this church. But here's what I want to ask you. Is it possible that our culture's values for sex and sexual expression are wrong? Is it possible that our culture is wrong about sex? Here's my second question. Is it possible that you haven't had a a real revelation of Jesus's purpose for sex and sexuality? Maybe you think you understand what the Bible says, but maybe you don't. What if you haven't had a real revelation, a real understanding what the Bible teaches and why it teaches us. You see, following Jesus requires that we submit to him. It requires that we trust him, not just when we understand it, even when we don't. Even when culture is going one way, submission and obedience looks like going the other way. Jesus, in the Bible, in the New Testament specifically, as referenced as Lord over 250 times. So he is master, boss, the one in whom I pledge my allegiance to, whether I understand it or not. This is what it looks like to follow Jesus. It's trust and submission. Now, there's a, there's, there's a new cuss word that's emerged over the last like 10 years, a Christian cuss word, okay? So I'm gonna say it so don't be offended, okay? It's a new Christian cuss word. I'm kind of nervous. <laughs> Obedience. <laughs> we, have individu- uh, we have radical individual expressive, uh, expressivism, which says that I am my own Lord. I can choose for myself. It's postmodern influence on Christian circles, which says, I do me. This is my question. What if that is wrong? Well, the way we find out is by going to the scriptures. Jesus is Lord, and if we are going to follow him, we must obey him. Now, let me remind you of this, this, this uh, upward trend. It doesn't mean you have to be perfect. The Bible says that if you sin, confess your sin, and God is faithful and just to forgive you. What it does mean is when you submit to him as Lord, it actually enables him to walk with you towards holiness, towards righteousness, towards purity, and you understand God's heart for you. It doesn't mean that you can't ever mess up or make a mistake. It means that you're moving towards God daily. It says this in Romans 6, what then? Are we, to, uh, are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of, the, of whom you obey? either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. You see, when, when we obey our lusts of the flesh, we become, the Bible kind of paints this picture, you are a slave to sin. You see, people think that when they do whatever they want sexually, they're free. But if you were free, why can't you stop? It's because 
you're a slave. You're a slave to sex. You're a slave to sexual expression. You're a slave to culture. You're a slave to opinions. You're a slave to yourself. You're a slave to all the wrong things. Everyone's a slave to something. And the offer that Jesus makes to us with his death and resurrection is he says, make me your master. You now have a choice of whom you're enslaved to. You can be enslaved to culture. You can be enslaved to yourself or you can be enslaved to sin or you can be enslaved to me. And I am the great advocate. I've known you from the beginning. I know your past. I know your present and I know your future. And if you want the abundant life, hitch yourself to me and I will lead you to where you need to be. You see, but your flesh will deny that. Your flesh, like this crazy evil disease, says, I want control. And Jesus is trying to break that down so that you no longer live for yourself, so you live for a bigger kingdom, a better way, and an eternal perspective so the world can see a generation of Christians who are not enslaved to sex, enslaved to pornography, enslaved to their own sensual desires. There's a generation of Christians who are enslaved to Jesus Christ, whose allegiance is one thing, whose allegiance is obedience to the master who died for them. I'm not telling you, I'm not telling you to clean yourself up. I'm telling you, find him as savior, find him as Lord, and your life will be better than you ever thought you could think it could be. That didn't even make any sense, but you get what I mean. Oh, it can be better than you ever thought. Your history, your brokenness, your trauma, your pain, come to him, submit to him as savior and submit to him as the master of your life. And he will lead you not just to get out of sin. He will lead you into an intimate relationship with the personal God of the universe who wants to bring you to that day when you die. That he says, well done, good and faithful servant. I saw what happened to you when you were four. I saw what happened to you with your family. I saw what happened to you with culture and yet you didn't bow and you didn't bow well done you weren't perfect but you never gave up your culture was swimming upstream and you said I'm not going with them I'm following that man Jesus up that hill I'm putting that cross on my back and I'm going towards him because this culture is temporary it'll pass the trends will change but his word and Jesus remains forever Who will you trust? I am trusting. I am putting that shackle on my leg. And I'm saying, Jesus, take this and hitch this to you. You, Where you go, I'm going. And I might pull back a little bit, but he will gently come to me like the great advocate, the great empathizer that he is. He'll step into your world and he'll say, Jake, do you know why you were doing that? Do you know why you were sinning? It's because you're afraid. You're afraid to open up. You're afraid to let me in. You're afraid to let trusted Christian community into what was going on in your life. Trust me. What you see is God redeems everything that we bring to him. He redeems everything that we trust him. It doesn't mean that we'll never struggle again. Friends, 65% of people, of men are looking at porn in church, 15% of women. It doesn't mean that you'll never look at porn again. But what it does mean is you'll go on a journey of your life of learning to love Jesus with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, not just with your religious activity. You will start to be free. But it requires us to enslave ourselves to Jesus Christ.
It is not popular. It is not even fun. It is not easy. But I speak from my experience and the dozens and hundreds of other Christian, mature Christians that I know that it is the best decision I've ever made. And God is gracious to see me through, even though I go through ups and downs on my way to Jesus. So no matter where you've been, God is with you to redeem you. But we need to do two things. Have faith in him as savior and submit to him as Lord. Because our culture has a totally different value for sex than what the Bible describes. Like I said earlier, the culture treats sex as casual. God treats it as sacred. The last thing I want to share with you that we need to do is learn from God as teacher. We need to change the way we think. Some of you right now are thinking, I got it. I know sex is one man, one woman in marriage. I'm good. I don't need to learn anything. Listen, there's a religious, there's a a deceitful teaching in the church, not our church, but at large in America, which looks like it's pure, but it's not. It treats sex as transactional, not as intimate. It treats sex as you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. It's not intimate. You see, all of us need to understand the true purpose of sex that God's described. And we need to let Jesus take us forward. Now, single people, some of you are like, Jake, you're talking about sex. You said it's in marriage. What about me? I'm divorced. I'm widowed. I'm not married. What should I do? Listen, as single people, your responsibility is to steward your sex drive in with Jesus. Steward your sex drive with the help of Jesus. Well, Jake, that's not fair. It's easy for you to say you're married. Listen, friends, single people, you have an opportunity unlike any married person. Your witness to your world is so much stronger than mine as a married man. Your witness to the world says that sex is not an idol. I am not a slave to sin, that I have found sufficiency in Jesus Christ where I do not need to indulge the lusts of my flesh, that I am pure before God and he is leading me. I'm not perfect, but I am going towards Jesus in all purity. And the people who are enslaved to their own addictions and their sins are gonna look at you. They're gonna see your freedom, see your, your, uh, your enjoyment in God, your peace in your life. And they're gonna say, what is different about you? See, single friends, you are not on the outskirts on the side of the church. You are at the dead center of someone who can represent Jesus to our world unlike any married person can. And maybe we haven't done a great job of including you in, but I'm including you in right now and saying, listen, sex does not have to be your idol. It does not have to be your aim. You do not have to pray the prayer that I prayed, God, don't send the rapture till I get married. You can have a satisfaction in Jesus Christ It's not where your sex drive goes away, but you steward it well before men and more importantly, before God. And I'm saying this as a leader of this church, we need you. We need you. The widow, someone who's divorced, we need you. 
not to wallow in your singleness. We need you to pursue Jesus, to pursue God's purpose for sex and to learn from Jesus as teacher in your singleness. And married people, some of you have parents. Some of you have parents, oh my gosh. Parents, you do have parents, okay? Some of you have kids. Some of you have kids and you're worried about how you're gonna raise your kids in in this hypersexualized culture. The way that you raise your kids is by looking at the mirror and saying, Jesus, I'm dedicating from this point on that I'm learning from you. I might use books, I might use other teachings, but Jesus, I need to deal with my own heart. You know, I I know some, I've walked some couples through some difficult situations where um, a child either is identifying as gay or, or transgender. And, and I walk with parents about how to navigate through those seasons. It's a, it's a difficult thing. With a few situations, the parents had their own sexual morality. And the kid was like, one of the kids said, literally, in a meeting that I had with him, he's like, my dad, my dad is this. Like, why should I listen to him? You see, but we're so quick to make judgments on other, other groups and other sins and we know what's right. And now listen, I, we need to stand for truth even if we're struggling, we need to stand for truth. But as we move forward in our parenting, as we move forward in our, in our being a light to the world, learning from him as teacher is so important if we wanna maintain the integrity of our testimony. It is not just for me, it is for my kids. It is not just for me, it is for my grandkids. My growth towards Jesus will have a rippling effect on my family, my neighbors, and my world. But in order to do that, I have to learn from him first. Men, I'm talking to you. It's, it's, we can no longer, men, we can no longer wait for our women to drag us to church and conferences. It's time for men to say, you know what? I am discovering God's purpose for sex. I am dealing with myself. I'm no longer letting the enemy wreak havoc in my life and in my family's life. I am done. I've seen the goodness of Jesus. I have witnessed his character in scriptures and I am moving towards him to lead my life and to lead my family. Men, no more sidelines. Let's get in the game and let's learn from Jesus as teacher. I want to close with this if you'll stand. You guys okay? You guys okay? Okay. I'm uh, thank you for being gracious with me. Thank you for coming along on this journey. I want to end with an opportunity for us just to go to God in prayer. And I want to refer back to Luke 7. If you'll just close your eyes with me, I want you to Just consider this account from Luke 7 again. A prostitute coming to Jesus. Religious leaders rejecting the sexual sinner. But Jesus graciously restoring the sinner, forgiving her, in declaring to her, your faith has saved you. You guys, this is a shame-free zone. This is a condemnation-free zone. The presence of God is here. And I know that some in this room are being, have been poked by the Holy Spirit. And maybe it's been for the last few weeks to start bringing your heart to him. Not just your sexual sin, but your heart. 
and he's been dealing with you in the privacy of your conscience and you have been resisting him. And I want to encourage you, just like the Lord spoke to me, stop resisting Jesus. You cannot save yourself from your addiction or your sin. There is one remedy. There is one way. It is having faith in Jesus as Savior and submitting to him as Lord. If you have something in your life that you want to present to God and say, God, I'm moving towards you today. I'm moving towards you today. I'm no longer hiding. I'm no longer resisting. God, do something in my life and make me clean. Make me clean on the inside and let it, let it transform the outside. God is not waving his finger. He is the gracious potter who's ready to make your life beautiful. But you have to stop resisting. With everyone's eyes closed, no one looking around, everyone's eyes closed. If you're ready to stop resisting and to fall at the feet of Jesus just like the prostitute woman did, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. And when you raise your hand, it is saying, Jesus, I'm yours, let's go. Let's do this, raise your hand, come on. I see hands all over the room. I'm yours, let's go. Not perfection, it's not perfection, it's submission. There's more hands coming up, I know there's more. Holy Spirit, would you just minister to them right now? Keep your hands up. Holy Spirit, I just pray in the name of Jesus that a supernatural hope will spark in their hearts, God. God, people who've been stuck in the crazy sin cycle, God, I pray that you would remove the scales of their eyes so they can see the goodness of Jesus. I thank you for their humility to even raise their hands and pray that the the goodness and the power of Jesus not take away all their struggle, but that they encounter the presence of Jesus in the midst of it. And they would have hope that their abundant life is possible for them. You can put your hands down. I'm gonna pray one last prayer for all of us. May we, God, may we be willing vessels in a perverse generation. May we, God, express the holiness, the love, and the truth of God to a world that is lost. I pray for every parent in this room, you give them wisdom and humility to lead their kids towards Christ in this hypersexualized culture. And I pray in the name of Jesus for any older men and women who have hid for 40 years and kept their history from you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would show your goodness to them and they would realize that what has happened in the past is not, does not define them. And I pray, God, that you would give them hope for the latter part of their years that they've never had before. Redeem their purpose. And I pray for our young people that you would keep them from the evil one, that you would raise up revivalists who will not settle, who will not go with culture, who will stand for truth, you are unapologetic for the gospel, who love the world like no one else and love and pursue purity unlike any in their generation. Raise them up, God. 
and make our church a city on a hill or a light on a hill that we may shine for the world to see in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day and we will see you again soon.